You are listening to the Spiritual Exercises Podcast. My name is Rachel Amaday. I am so excited to be with you tonight, today. I'm actually, I'm recording this at night. You probably won't get this till the daytime, but um, this is when I had time this week. So we went on a wonderful trip last week. And so I did a few podcasts less than I was intending on doing just because of that. We got to do some of the Southwest United States. I got to see some things I have never seen before. And I am just appreciative of this beautiful country that I get to live in and that um, we could take a little driving vacation as a family and spend some time together. We don't get to do that enough. So I apologize that um, things were a little sparse last week, but I'm back. I've got some great people on the schedule, starting with um, a story that I am excited to share with you all from a friend. And I think I might attempt to actually make this a series. So we will see, but I will save that for uh, next week. So this week, we are going to go, go ahead and continue to dig into some health-related mind-body-spirit health discussion. And I know I got to go into this a little bit last week, but I want to dig even further into the media aspect of what we are experiencing culturally, the mental health crises we are experiencing, it seems like on a daily basis, um, people are really confused. And I, I think I just saw a poll that 20% of Gen Z is now identifying as some sort of LGBTQ plus um, identifier. That is a huge number. That's a huge number. That's one in five, which means one in five people right now in Generation Z, if they grow up and continue to act out their feelings of gender confusion. They likely will not have their own children. And we will effectively have, through the spreading of gender ideology as an option for soothing pain, we will effectively be obliterating generations of human beings. Now, I know, you know, a lot of people think that believers are not loving on this issue and that even saying something like that is some sort of hate speech against these folks. I don't feel any hatred towards anyone who has felt like they don't belong in their body or that they're not the right gender or that they weren't made right or they're in so much pain they're looking for any answer. I don't, I don't hate those people. I feel unbelievable amounts of compassion for them. I can relate to feeling or wishing that things were different. I, I can relate to that. I understand that feeling. I think it is very difficult in a culture that offers this so-called solution to people who feel this way. It's very difficult for them not to take it because right now it is the Kool-Aid. It's the popular thing to do. You get all sorts of benefits for making this choice. And when you're in a lot of pain, you are looking for that niche, that group of people that will accept you. And you were looking for whatever benefits you can get. But when polled, a lot of these folks are highly depressed, highly unhappy, highly dissatisfied. And in the transgendered community, it is the top community for suicide. And so on the, at a deep, deep level, we're all searching for meaning and for love, for acceptance, for community. We are all searching for that. So are these communities actually providing that in a healthy way? Well, so far from what we're finding out psychologically, they're not. It's not producing the outcome that they are looking for. And what's scary and sad is this is being done to the youngest generation. This confusion is being foisted upon the younger generations in a really heavy, heavy way. And how is it being foisted upon them? Well, I think one of the main ways is through our media. We are having mental health crises because of the media. And this has been going on for a long time. You know, in my generation, in my youth, it was the media throwing images of stick thin women 
up all the time as the ideal and expecting young women to be able to accomplish these unbelievably unhealthy ideals. And, you know, that was a way that images and imagery and the media was pushing a very satanic view of womanhood and and women and beauty and one that would cause a lot of destruction to young ladies at that time. I mean, this is this is old. These concepts are old, but there has never been a box in everyone's home or in everyone's hand that has been more effective at communicating ideology than what we have now. And so I think we've got to dig in and talk a little bit more about it so that you have good information to share with your family and with your kids. Um, I've talked to my kids about this a lot. I've started to talk about it even more. The very, very satanic messaging that we get through media. And, you know, last week I talked about the news. The news is very fear-driven. Fear, fear, fear. Be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. Um, do what you're told. Do what we tell you. We're the experts. You're a nobody. You know, kind of this messaging that you go to the media for your answers. You go to your doctor for your answers. You go to the politicians for your answers instead of going to God. That is a very satanic message. And it has played out on both the left and the right in a very negative way. I think many decisions that people have made over the last three years, especially have been fear-based. And it is unfortunate we've become very weak because of this. I want to I talk to you about what's going on with entertainment and media and Hollywood and especially your kids today. And we're going to go to scripture actually for some really interesting pieces of information about the internet and what I think scripture might have actually prophesied in this regard and been foretelling us. Um, that there's always been nets and snares and traps that would grab your mind, grab your heart and keep you from God's ideal for your life. The internet, I can't even believe the name. We're going to talk about it. We're going to dig into that a little bit. But I want to start with some of my own personal stories and personal stories of friends that have been engaged in the media in one way, shape, or form, or entertainment in one way, shape, or form. And so uh, I, I want to, I had a friend actually reach out recently. She's a very good musician. And she's been doing cover songs in collaboration with lots of different people. And it tends to be, and I've done this as well, that the cover art for these collaborations oftentimes comes back and it's disturbing. It's satanic. It's weird. It's freaky. And it makes you feel really uneasy about releasing the song. And she sent me one recent cover. And I hope you're listening, my friend, who you, you know who you are. And she's like, I really don't like this cover. I think it's evil. And I agreed with her. And it was a cover of a famous statue. It's a famous statue of Cupid um, uh, with a, a person below him, and but they had added kind of blood. There's blood imagery in it, and um, listen, Cupid is an ancient pagan god and has his own ancient pagan stories, and she just, the image just struck her wrong, and I think she was accurate. Spiritually, it struck me wrong as well. She's like, I don't know if I can do this anymore, if they're going to continue to attach these images. But I was thinking, you know, we're we're making cover songs and we're making cover songs from artists that are heavily entrenched in the music business, which I think is fully run by demonic influences. And the messaging, when you listen to the messaging of so many of the songs on the radio right now, and I don't care what genre, I don't care if it's EDM or pop or country or rap, the messaging is often so satanic. Okay, when you have in country music, everything is about chasing down a guy, chasing down a girl, getting drunk in a bar, your worship of alcohol, it's a worship of a particular lifestyle. You think that's a godly message? Just because it sounds down home and it's kind of family? You know, how many people do you have to date and break up with, by the way, before, you know, maybe it's been too many hearts broken? Do you really think that's God's ideal for your life or for your children's lives? To just date around and sleep around, have another heartbreak, you know, have another beer, you know, to you, try to erase your memories with the whiskey or, you know... How many songs in country music like that, right? That's not a God, that's not a Christ-like message. And you go into pop, it gets worse in a lot of ways. You go into rap, it gets really bad. It's violent. It's wicked towards women. 
um, you name it, that evil is being forced upon us by an industry that has demonic influence. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna share a story with you. So I have had multiple opportunities to sit down with label representatives or to actually be at labels talking to people there about different opportunities. And I look back and, you know, none of those things actually worked out, which for time was really frustrating. You know, I wanted to be successful with music. I really wanted to do more with my artistry, but you know, whether I was not the right artist, not not good enough, whatever it was, it never happened, which was all under God's purview. But I look back at some of my experiences and I realize maybe God protected me. You know, I'll never forget sitting at um, a record label, I won't mention specifics, sitting across from a guy who was speaking to me and my partner that was with me at the time, he didn't look us in the eye even once. Couldn't Couldn't even look us in the eye. We were literally just commodities. And I remember thinking, if I don't say the right thing or do the right thing, this guy's not even going to remember that I existed. He hasn't even looked, he doesn't even know what I look like. He won't even look at me. Sat down another time with a label who was interested in a project I was doing. And the questions she was asking were very different than the answers I was giving. Now, at the time, I wasn't really living my life for the Lord, but I did still believe that, you know, God existed and I wanted to do good with my music. And that was the story I was telling. And the story she was looking for was somebody who just would do what they wanted and um, just be in the business and make money and get popular and make her successful. Very, two very different intentions and goals and ideologies. We were never going to be a good fit. And I think she knew that I would never be as controllable as they needed me to be. And so never heard back, never, you know, after that, in, you know, a few phone conversations and an actual meeting, that deal was done. That's how the industry that is giving your children music is thinking, by the way. They're there to uh, make your children addicted to their product. Your children are a commodity to them. They don't care if the messaging in their music is bad. They don't care if the messaging in the videos is bad. They actually understand, just like Satan understands, that we're really drawn to story and we love sin. We come into the world being attached to being sinful. Now, we we didn't have any choice in that matter, but that is just the reality. And it is easy to look at the material world and think that the material world is going to provide all your spiritual answers. And so that's what they offer. They offer the easy path. It's going to be drugs. It'll be alcohol. It'll be sexuality. It'll be gender changing. Whatever the answer is that's material, that's the answer. Of course, we know it's not the answer, but that is what is being offered by media right now. You know, my husband has been in the music industry a lot in his life, and he has some pretty tough stories from some of the artists that he's gotten to play for. Really spiritually dark things that have happened in that business. And if we all kind of have these stories, it's that that's how pervasive it is. It is it, it is seeped into all of it. And I'm not talking just secular. The Christian industry also has a lot of darkness seeped into it. Now let's talk about Hollywood because so much of media and entertainment and advertising, I mean, just think about advertising and what's being advertised to our families. Um, Your kids are getting it on their phones. They're getting it on the TV. They're getting it every single place they go. They're getting it from their friends who are playing the video games or watching the movies and sharing it with each other. This, this, it's very hard to escape media influence in our culture. It is pervasive. And, um, the ubiquitous theme is definitely antithetical to God's ways. So before we really dig into some of the Hollywood stuff that I know about, we are going to dig into scripture. I want to go to King David and some of what he wrote in the Psalms. Now, I first came across some of these concepts with a guy named Brad Scott, and I wanted to review his series before I did this podcast, but I did not have a chance to today. But I've listened to his series called The Image of the Beast, and it is his belief, it was his belief that the image of the beast would be related to our screens, to our technology. In our day and age, we could 
could even see it be some sort of artificial intelligence that is the image of the beast and is speaking to people and convincing them to do things seems very likely, but we're already there. Listen, these screens are talking to your kids and convincing them to think a certain way. When we talk about being programmed and the programming on TV, we're talking about rewiring people's minds and hearts to think in a particular way. This is no doubt happening. And if you don't believe it, I just ask that you please do your research on how media affects your brain, how your brain experiences media, and even just listen, what happens to you after you watch a really dark show or a dark movie? What does your, where does your mind go and where does it stay? How hard is it to break you out of the vibe of the thing that you have watched? Think about how powerful music is and how a song can change the environment of a room and can change your mood. If you don't think these things are being used by the adversary to make you think in certain ways, you're just being naive. And it is time to wake up. And we're going to get into all of that here. Um, but so Brad Scott has this great series um, on the image of the beast. I would highly recommend it because he goes into the etymology of some of the words that scripture use, specifically the word net. Now, this is in relationship to the word internet. When we break down the word internet, it was used as early as the 1840s to mean interconnected or woven like a net. That makes sense, right? And when you think of the internet, you can picture an internet, kind of like how our brains are an internet of, you know, different firing um, uh, sparks. You see that with the internet. So according to the online etymology dictionary in 1984, the linked computer networks of the U.S. Defense Department shortened from internetwork, which was used from 1972 in reference to then hypothetical networks involving many separate computers from inter between plus network. And so we had a shift from internetwork to internet. Um, uh, if you weren't aware, it was the U.S. De Department of Defense, you know, that had this idea of these linked computer networks. And um, basically, it's practically our military that started the Internet. So, um, again, you can do your own research on this to understand where this all came from. It's actually not not a very soothing concept, given what we know about the Department of Defense. And, um, oh, boy just our military industrial complex and the problems with it today to think back and think that we're also the ones that started this whole thing. Um, if you think about what the interconnectedness we now have with online information is, you can definitely get that picture of a net. And listen, what is a net used for? Think about this. Usually it's used to catch things, to ensnare, right? If you're using a net to do something, you're usually picking something out and putting it somewhere else or keeping something out of another thing. Um, and so I'm not sure that I like the implications when you think about internet, being a net, being a network, right? Um, a network of ideas and a place where you can get caught. That has absolutely been the function, in my opinion, of media to catch you and to keep you and to hold you. And entertainment means the same thing, entering into something that will hold you, that will captivate you. But we're spending so much time being held and captivated by a man-made internet. How much time are we actually allowing God to captivate our hearts and our minds? Have we replaced God, in fact, with these devices and these um, mental locations? I have to admit, my online life absolutely sometimes catches me. Are we caught up in social media, in the news, in media and entertainment too often? I think if we're all honest with ourselves, for those of us that use media on a regular basis, we're going to have to say yes. What does King David say about a net? Well, Psalm 140 verse 5 says this, The arrogant have hidden a snare for me. They have spread out the cords of their net and have set traps for me along my path. 
Now consider the experiences in Hollywood, a few of them especially that I conveyed to you just a few minutes ago. The arrogant have hidden a snare, right? They've hidden a trap for people. They want to use people to use other people. They want to use an artist to go and entrap and ensnare with their messaging the the general populace. Doesn't this verse seem appropriate? What traps have been set for our minds with the media we engage with? Is there any way we would be experiencing some of these social issues we have on a grand scale without the traps of the media? I don't think so. It's hard for things to catch, you know, that are crazy, that don't have such an easy form of communication going along with them. And I think the media has just made this exponentially more difficult. You know, a bigger question, does the media rewire our brains to think in ways that are antithetical to God's kingdom? I've thought about this a lot. And so I've started to really analyze my feelings after using social media or during using it, my feelings or my thoughts during specific movies, films, programs, all of that. I want to see how I'm thinking, what I tend to do, what I'm doing in my body, in my mind, in my spirit. And I have to be honest, I think these things are rewiring our brains to be antithetical to God's kingdoms, God's kingdom. And I think this is becoming more and more obvious that Hollywood is doing this. But listen, the adversary is not stupid. So it's very easy for us to point to artists like Sam Smith and go, well, he is satanic. And of course, I'm not going to listen to him anymore. And he's the bad guy, right? <clears throat> but there's history in this country of a very much sneakier, much sneakier adversary planting things and doing things that we weren't aware of because we're not educated to understand these things. A great example, um, the reemergence of ancient gods in our very modern society. You know, the concept of half God, half man comes, goes, goes, is, has been a part of ancient mythology that predates Christ. Now, how is this possible? You know, we get really scared and offended when we hear that because it makes us worry about the story of Christ. When you have other ancient stories of babies coming that are half God, half man, and, you know, uh, dying and rising again. You have these ancient stories with Isis and Osiris and Set and Zeus and Hades and Hercules. But the stories really are slightly different than the story of Jesus because Jesus came to save us from our own sin. But how in the world did the culture get these stories anyways? Well, think about this. So I think in the Garden of Eden, and afterwards, especially, I think God conveyed his story to Adam and Eve. The Bible tells us that the gospel was preached to Abraham. Okay, so God revealed his plans to people from the very, very, very beginning. And we have in, um, you know, in prophetic sections of scripture where it talks about a son of God, you know, who is he and what is his name? right? A son of God coming to save people. Even though the Jews missed those prophecies, they were there and they were there from of old. You know, we have this idea that the son, you know, the lineage of um, the woman, right? The, the picture of Messiah, that he would crush the head of the serpent. That's in Genesis. So, they, they had this understanding, and I think what ended up happening is Adam and Eve, you know, through their children, those stories progressed throughout human cultures across the globe. And then what Satan has always been good at doing, what the adversary has always done, is taken part of it, part of the truth, mixed it with a lie, and made it more like his story. So when he went to Eve in the garden, I talk about this all the time, he didn't boldface lie to her. He just twisted God's words a little bit. And it was enough of a lie to cause the downfall of all of humanity. Do you think that he is not good at this? So he went to all these cultures. He's like, yeah, absolutely. There's going, you know, there's going to be a guy who comes and who dies and, and rises again. But here's what he's really like, right? 
And it's not descriptive of the character of God. And it has nothing to do with our sin and our need to be freed from sin and death. It has to do with something else, right? But it's the same story because that will cause mass confusion. And that is something the adversary is very, very, very good at. But just know that the history of the story of Christ is solid. And you don't have to be afraid of the fact that there are multiple of these types of stories throughout multiple cultures. We should expect to see that. If we believe that the gospel was preached to Adam and Eve and to Abraham and to our forefathers as it clearly was. Okay, but the great liar is very good at lying and he's very good at hiding his lies. Um, You know, I, I hate to bring this up, but let's look at the Statue of Liberty. There are so many ancient pagan god symbols in our Statue of Liberty, not to mention the sign of the Masons, you know, at the cornerstone, on the cornerstone of that thing. It's Masonic symbolism, and you have seven points coming out of the crown, and that is Mithras, that is the god Mithras, and you have a torch, and that is very much related to satanic symbolism. And so even in our own Statue of Liberty, which we so revere, and we think this is, you know, this is about freedom for people, and it seems like such a good thing, but the symbol itself is not God's symbol. God's symbols are clearly laid out in scripture, and the goddess Columbia and the god Mithras and um, the, a torch like that, those aren't God symbols. Those aren't in scripture. You can put all the nice language on it you want. What Satan has done is mixed a great idea about freedom for humanity with his own ideals so that we're always just a little off. We're a little off course. We're a little confused. And so I want to bring up something here that's really dangerous territory. You're not going to like this. This is going to push some buttons. It's going to push you a little bit. But I want you to go to the Ten Commandments and consider the command where God says, do not make any image of the things above or the things below. Don't make images. Um, Do not make graven images of angels or, you know, the Catholic Church does this consistently, okay, of Mary, of Peter, of Joseph, of the angels or the demons. Don't do this. Don't make statues of them. Don't pray to them. Don't make images of them. Why? Because God is God and your imagination is not going to properly imagine what he is. And so I think about um, even television shows from Hollywood, like The Chosen, like religious shows that have been made, especially in portraying Jesus. We have yet to really have Hollywood portray Jesus as he probably, even close to as he probably looked, not that we should be doing that because I think it puts an image of Jesus in our minds that isn't who he is. And we might be shocked when he returns to know that's not what he looks like and it's not what he sounds like and it's not how he behaves. And, you know, we're clearly going to be getting things wrong, but come on. Like he was very, probably very dark skinned and very dark. And we see, we have yet to have imagery of Jesus that is accurate to what he even looked like, let alone what his personality was like. They're just guessing. Why does God have this prohibition in his commands? I think it's because it is too easy for the adversary to get in there and try to make you believe that God is like this. This is how God is. This is what you should be looking for. The people who act like this are godly. We, you know, I'm sorry. the behaviors of the person on screen that we're seeing might not be anything like what Jesus is like. We're just guessing. And if it plants inaccurate seeds, if we're maligning God's character with some of these scenes and some of these phrases and just making up scenes left and right, which the chosen has to do in order for this series to continue on, there's a lot of stuff in there that is not in the Bible. But do people who aren't biblically literate know that? Are people watching it thinking that all of those stories happened and all of those discussions happened and that's how Jesus is? I think we get into dangerous territory. And that's not to say that it's wrong for you to watch it or any of that, but I would be very careful to make sure that when you go to pray and have conversations with your Lord, you are not picturing Jonathan Rumi across the table from you. Because 
now we're we're in problematic we're in a problematic territory and you're not hearing his voice in your head and saying i'm talking to jesus no no and no and no and no and no and can i say it again no okay if we know that satan created knockoffs of the story of christ long before christ came don't you think he's attempting to create knockoffs now just so we're just enough off just a little off just enough so that our imaginations can run wild with our conversations with the Lord, okay? I believe Catholicism has done this more effectively than any other religion on the planet, you know, and and our version of telling a story like this is not new. It's very old. The Jesuits did this with something called Jesuit theater. Now, according to Encyclopedia Britannica, Jesuit drama program of theater developed for educational and propagandist purposes in the colleges of the Society of Jesus during the 16th, 17th, and 18th centuries, cultivated as a medium for disseminating Roman Catholic doctrine, drama flourished in the Jesuit schools for more than 200 years, evolving from modest student exercises to elaborate productions that often rivaled the contemporary public stage in polish and technical skill. The earliest recorded performance of Jesuit play was in 1551 at the newly founded college Mamertino in Messina in Sicily. In less than 20 years, plays were being performed at more than a dozen of the new Jesuit colleges springing up in cities across the continent, including Rome, Sevilla, Cordoba, Innsbruck, Munich, and Vienna. By the mid-17th century, there were nearly 300 Jesuit colleges in Europe, and in almost every one, at least one play was given each year. End quote. This way of doing things is old, and it's because the adversary is very well aware that we love stories. We love stories. It's why the Bible being in story form and Jesus teaching in parable form, these are powerful ways to, to impart ideas to the human mind. We love music and we love stories, and we have memory attached to those things because we have emotion attached. Anytime you have emotion attached to something, your memory is engaged at a much higher level. It's why our current academic system doesn't work very well, actually, when it comes to engaging real memorization, long-term memory. It's because it is too boring and it is not emotional. And so all those facts and figures go right out the window. They stick in short-term memory and then they're gone. But when your emotions are attached, you have long-term memory. And so my fear, my concern is that even in the media we think is Christian, we think is right and righteous and good, we are implanting ideas and memories and emotions into us that may not actually be accurate pictures of who God is. And it's why that command, do not make any graven images, God is so smart, right? He's smarter than we are. He knows our attachment to imagery and story. And he says, do not do this. Because I need you to recognize me by my character, not by how I look. You don't know how I look. You must know me by my character, by what I do and what I teach. When you add to my word, you desecrate it. And when you take away from my word, you desecrate it. And so I have very troubled feelings about the additional words and context being used in some of these shows like The Chosen. They're not in the Bible Jesus probably didn't say them. His disciples probably didn't say them. These are guesses to move the story along. But what are we doing? Jesus repeated the Old Testament more than anything else he said. He was constantly just regurgitating the Old Testament. There's not a lot of new in the New Testament. The New Testament is an 80% repeat of the Old. When you're just making up stuff that you think he said or think is funny or fits his personality or whatever... Are we desecrating his image? Are we violating one of those commands? Are we adding to scripture? Have we thought about this very much? I'm just not sure. Now, I know in the rest of media, you have a lot of satanic symbolism and a satanic messaging. I'm not sure the chosen has that, but is it enough of a diversion from the truth about who God is that it is implanting ideas that are going to end, you know, assist us in ending up in a place where we're not recognizing God in his realness, who he actually is. And when that image is in your mind, I've got to ask you, how hard is it to expunge it? Because it's hard for me. You know, again, what if Jesus comes back and he is nothing like the Hollywood version we've been given? You know, we've got the passion out there as well. What if you're nothing like that guy? 
what if his return is nothing like some of the films that have been made about it, which I can I can assure you it's nothing like some of the films that have been made about it. With Without a doubt in my mind, I just have to say, there is no biblical evidence that stands for more than two seconds for a pre-tribulation rapture. Sorry for those of you who believe in it. It just is not in the Bible. It's just not there. It's not in the patterns of scripture. And we have evidence, too much evidence in the Bible to the contrary. That is a podcast for another day. But we have all these films that have a pre-tribulation rapture. What if it's nothing like that? Are we going to recognize the truth of who he is versus the adversary who's going to be playing a, a version of Messiah? Isn't the adversary planting ideas about who he is? through Hollywood to lead us astray? I believe so because he's a smart, he's a, he's a smart um, liar, you know, and he knows exactly where to go. Go to the place where they tell the stories because human beings love stories, right? Wouldn't he be stupid not to infiltrate even Christian media? You know, one aside here that I found out today, Jonathan Rumi, the actor who plays Jesus, is a Catholic who also claims to be a Knights Templar. Now, in order to become a Knights Templar, I'm fairly certain you have to become a 33rd level Mason. Now, if you know anything about Masonry and, and it being infiltrated by the Illuminati, you know that it is a religion that is separate from the Bible. It is not biblical. And if you've read my book, you also know I'm no fan of what the Catholic Church has done to the faith. It has definitely been one of the main forces behind secret societies on this earth. And it was one of the main powers that changed and warped the teachings of Christ and the way after Christ. My friends, this is just history. And I'm so sorry if this is this is just so much information for you. Um, I'm able to say these things after years and years and years of different teachings and different researchers and different people showing me the pictures, showing me the documents, you know, putting these connections together. Um, there's a great history of these things. They've always existed. I believe the Bible in some ways calls these secret societies and these groups of people running the earth. He calls them the kings of the earth. In today's vernacular, we, we talk about the World Economic Forum. We talk about the WHO. We talk about these unelected people that seem to have massive, the Rothschilds, massive amounts of control over society and banking. And they're not elected and nobody really knows who they are and they're never seen, but they are pulling the strings and running the things. And there's a lot of people in Hollywood behind the scenes doing the same. Same. And there's a lot of people in the Catholic Church doing the same. Again, that is another podcast for another day. There's some stuff. I have a, an aunt who's Catholic. And by the way, she is one of the most wonderful human beings on the earth. I'm convinced. I love her. I love her. So I am not anti-Catholic. I am anti-Catholic institution. Okay, what the institution did to the biblical understanding, how anti-Semitic it was, what it has done globally to biblical understanding, I think has been wrong. But um, I have Catholic friends and Catholic family who I think are magnificent humans. But I mentioned something to her that I had learned about Catholicism that's a big secret that no one's supposed to know. And she said, oh, 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 you can't talk about that. No, nobody's supposed to know about that. And I said, oh, yeah, there we are. We got the secret societies going on, and the Catholic Church has been the author of many of them, and they have not done good for the average person. They have also not been good for biblical understanding. That is a complete aside, but I did want to mention that to you. So when you're thinking about Jonathan Rumi as a possible Christ character, just know he's been very involved in a lot of things that are absolutely antithetical to Scripture and um I'm I'm just not sure we should <laughs> listen at the very least please don't idolize these people and please don't imagine them as the actual Christ or the actual God and please watch these programs with a grain of salt and if your children are watching them educate them on what is biblical in them and what is not okay back to my point today so how about the internet what does it tend to when it comes to messaging I got to, this, this is a hard topic today, guys. Um, but I think that this has contributed to the decline in mental health in the world in a big way and the rise of evil. By the way, evil is, uh, evil can't create, right? So the adversary can't create things. He can just twist what God has already given or break it away, break it off. You know, the meaning of the word shalom in Hebrew is actually wholeness. 
it, it means there's no pieces missing from you and from your life. The chaos is gone. You have complete trust and hope in the Lord. You are complete. You are whole and fit for your purpose, the purpose that God has made for you. That's peace. Evil intends to break things off of you and break you apart so that you're not whole or fit for your purpose. These are the these are just foundational ideas. They're actually discovering these principles at the quantum physics level, which I think is fascinating. These concepts of wholeness and concepts of um, evil being related to whether or not you are fit for your purpose and you have everything you need to do it versus having things broken off of you that make it impossible for you to carry out your purpose. The evil in the world is trying to make sure that you are broken into many pieces. This can happen a lot of different ways. But if you can start with the mind, and if you especially you can start with the children and their minds, you can do a lot of damage. You can split people's personalities through trauma. You can change how people think through media. If you do that and you break off pieces and you insert other ones, suddenly you have a person who's far more controllable, and who's listening to the word of God less, and who doesn't see, you know, God's wisdom is not like the world's wisdom. So they are ascribing to the world's wisdom instead of God's wisdom because of the pieces that have been broken off or replaced. So when I ask about what the internet tends to, the internet tends to breaking you apart, making you feel less than or traumatizing your mind to the point where you're distracted or distractible, where you're addicted or pretend prone to be addicted. Um, And when you look at some of the large-scale uses of the internet, you have to discuss human trafficking. You have to discuss pornography because they are some of the largest uses of the internet. Now, you want to talk about a net that catches you and traps you and ensnares you, as David discussed. Nothing is ensnaring men at a higher rate than pornography. And for some porn addicts, they graduate into actual using and abusing of human beings. Why is that the graduation? Well, it just is because it's evil and it has a particular intention. And that intention is to break apart as many human beings as possible. This is, listen, how we use the internet and what we do with it is very important. And what media we allow into our minds and our children's minds is very important because the final intention of the one who controls Hollywood is to break your children apart so that they are not whole and fit for the purpose of the kingdom. And that is what media is doing unbelievably effectively right now. When I tell you one in five of Gen Z now does not understand the body that they were in and feels like some sort of gender or sexuality shift is the answer. That is someone who is being broken apart, who does not feel whole. Because listen, wholeness at its very core is your spirit and your body combined effectively to walk into the destiny that the creator intended for you. When the enemy can come in and tell you that you have a, your mind and your spirit are split from your body and then <laughs> convince you to do things in the physical realm that continue to push that split, that is not peace and that is not wholeness. That is the opposite. That is complete destruction And we are going to lose generations of human beings because of it. It is very evil. I want to tell you that the net has been cast. And it has been cast for you and your family. And I think we are naive. We are naive when we let our kids just watch Disney movies. We are naive. Listen, you want to talk about satanic symbolism in Disney movies. Um, just talked to my kids about this tonight. In Frozen 2, you have earth, water, fire, and air being controlled by a fifth spirit. That is ancient, pagan, God, creator, Gaia, worship. You have five points there, which is very satanic symbolism. Sorry. Sorry, Disney. You're not pulling the wool over our eyes anymore. We see it. I don't know if you guys have watched the movie Descendants with your kids. Talk about satanic messaging. 
I don't know if you love Harry Potter or not. Sorry if this offends you, but talk about satanic messaging. You know, they're all using the same magic and they're all after a higher power for themselves. This is not a this is not Christ-like messaging. Sorry for those of you who have watched Game of Thrones and loved it. Think about the messaging in Game of Thrones. Think about the images you will never get out of your head that you put in there for the sake of entertainment. We have got to get smarter because the enemy, the enemy has been smarter than us for thousands of years. But the Holy Spirit understands this and should be speaking to us on this level. And I'm sad even for myself. It took me a long time to figure out this stuff was really going on. I have a little bit of a heads up because I've been exposed to some of the music industry and realized it's corruption. And, you know, I was a broadcast journalism major and had to take classes on media and I understand how it affects the mind. So I've always been slightly more analytical about it. So yeah, okay. I've, I've had a, a blessing from above to have a heads up about media, but believer, believer who loves God and his kingdom. Do you think when Jesus reigns on the earth, he will allow any of this programming to go out? Do you think it will be by his will that any of this programming will be happening or these films will be made? If the answer is no, and it most certainly is no, what are you doing with it in your house? What are we doing with our kids? Let's end with some Bible verses. 1 John 2, 15 to 17 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Daniel 12.4, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Interesting. Doesn't that seem how the planet is now? People are just running to and fro and knowledge is increasing and increasing and increasing, but godliness is decreasing and decreasing and decreasing. Knowledge is not your answer. The internet is not the answer. It is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We need to go back to the tree of life. We need to open up our Bibles. We need to get away from the wisdom of the world and go to the wisdom of God. How about Colossians 3.17? And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Listen, I can probably watch one of my baking shows doing it in the name of the Lord and giving thanks to him that I'm going to learn how to cook something that might be delicious for my family. All right, baby, right? I can't go watch Game of Thrones in the name of the Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach. Can't do it. Won't do it. It'd be pretty heretical. But in Colossians, we're told, whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord. Are you going to go put pornographic imagery and, and violent imagery and filth in your mind in the name of the Lord? Pretty tough. It's a pretty tough thing to do. But yet the scripture says you're supposed to do everything in his name. And if you committed something to his name, you're probably not going to go and do evil because you know the character of your Savior right? Psalm 25, 15 says this, my eyes are ever toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Oh, thank you, David. How beautiful that if you put your eyes towards the Lord, he will keep your feet from the net. Get your eyes off of the sickening, maddening programming that Hollywood is sending your way. Get your eyes off of it so that Christ can pluck your feet out of that net. How good is that message for this day and age. It just does not get more clear than that. So you got to ask yourself, what images have been, I've been putting in my mind? What media, whether it's the news, the news can do this to you. Absolutely, the news can do this to you. It can be a trap and a net and a snare and cause you to fear and cause you to feel things and have emotions you should not. Social media can do this to you. Pornography will do this to you. Violent programming will do this to you. Um, advertising. We're constantly being advertised. Drugs, 
prescription drugs, alcohol, and food. Hmm. Are we going to be caught in a snare in those three things in this country? Yes, yes, and yes. Okay, so advertising will do this to you. And media, the storytelling coming out of Hollywood will do this to you, right? You're going to be stuck in a net. You're going to be caught up in thinking that is antithetical to the Bible. So what if this is causing such distress and such a decrease in mental health? And, and spiritual understanding, okay? I think that David's admonishment, my eyes are ever toward the Lord's, he will pluck my feet out of the net. We've got to get our eyes off of these things. We've got to get our eyes on Christ. He's going to tell you things differently than what the world will. And you want to have a strong and powerful army for the Lord. You throw the stuff out of your house that is causing you to be caught in a trap. Now, this is hard to do. And, and as someone who has struggled with so many issues in her life in the past, I will tell you, when you try to do it, there will be amazing spiritual pushback in your home and it will get even harder. You're going to think it's easy. Sure, I'm going to close the computer. Maybe I've got some video games I need to throw out. Maybe I need to throw out my son's computer. I don't know what it is. But when you try to, you might encounter major pushback. Major. Don't give up. I'm telling you, don't give up. Get an accountability partner. You want to really be successful in the battle against being caught up in a net. I don't care if it's because the news makes you depressed, but you're addicted to it. Get an accountability partner. Confess that to somebody who can help keep you accountable. You can keep each other accountable. Keep track of your good days. And when you feel like you can't do it, you open up your Bible. doesn't matter to where. You open it up and you just start reading. Because God has written a letter to you to keep you on the straight and narrow and to keep you out of that net. Just open your Bible and just start reading. Declare the words of the Lord over your life. Take a walk. There's something about getting outside and getting into nature and talking to God about things. You'll come back refreshed with new energy. Do something like make it physical. Make it a physical impact in your life that will help you make those changes. Get on your knees and pray. Ask God to weed out the images he wants out of your mind and the messages he wants out of your mind. And pray for our country and pray for the next generation. We don't hate them. We love them. And that is why we preach these messages of truth. God loves you and he made no mistake when he made you. He made you as you are meant to be because you are being, yes, this time, this world might sift you. You might face challenges and hardships that are very difficult. But make no mistake if you love him and obey him, all of this, you will look back at all of this and only see victory. This time is short, even though it seems long. Be encouraged in your walk. And I know this is a downer because we all love stories. We love entertainment. We love movies. We, we love this stuff. It is made to be loved, but we need to get on our guard and put on our armor and protect our minds and our hearts, and especially our children's minds and hearts, because what is happening to our children is egregious and destructive. And I say, and I hope you say it with me, no more. All right, many blessings to you all. I hope you have enjoyed this. I am excited to come to you with a guest next week, and um, we will keep plowing along with some of these Bible studies. Go check out Brad Scott's um, Wild Branch Ministry and his series on the image of the beast. I think you will find it. It's very technical. He's very technical. He's a linguist expert, biblical languages expert. So there's a lot of technical information in there, but really fascinating stuff. I think you'll enjoy it. And um, all right, I'll be back next week. Till next time.